Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these words. Thank you that we can just sit in them and sit under them. And you're the one who changes us, Holy Spirit. I pray you would just meet us now. Just grab our hearts and just heal us in every way necessary. Restore and redeem and renovate our hearts, Lord Jesus. Amen. I was listening to um, an interview with a pastor I respect a lot. His, his name is John Tyson. He's a bit of an urban legend um, amongst sort of pastors under 40. Um, he is an Australian and he moved to the US and he started in New York um, uh, a sort of new model of church planting um, planting sort of small local churches in a big city, a network. And Anyway, fantastic guy. And he was in this interview um, for church leaders and at the end of the interview, the, the interviewer said, do you have any last words, any, any final parting message you would want to give church leaders? And John Tyson said, whatever John 15 means, whatever abiding in the vine means, get a black belt in abiding. It stuck with me. I, I would have heard that interview two years ago, maybe a year and a half, but that stuck with me. Get a black belt in abiding. Make it your aim. My, my sister, um, whenever I grab her phone, as you do with your siblings, just grab their phone, you know, you want to get involved in their privacy. Um, she always has this reminder on her phone that just says abide. And so I want to talk about abide today, abiding in the vine. We don't use the word abide very often. I don't know if you've been um, on Airbnb, but sometimes they'll call um, their Airbnb sort of place an interesting name, like The Loft in Parkville or something or, or whatever. And um, sometimes you'll see the word abode in a, a sort of pretentious Airbnb description. They'll be like, you know, come to our humble abode just pay $320 a night. That doesn't sound that humble, but um, abode is your place of residence, your home. And so to abide in Jesus means to make your home in him, to, to live there, to dwell, to stay. Our, our translation, NIV, says remain with Jesus, remain. That's the, the sort of modern language is remain. Uh, if you look at the ESV or some older translations, they'll use this language of abide. The ESV says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is that bears, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Um, Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message, says, Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. But separated, you can't produce a thing. So there's two pictures 
in this passage. Two sort of um, two word pictures Jesus paints: that of abiding, making home with, and that of the vine. So one um, picture is residential, and one is wait for it, vinicultural. You like that word? Vinicultural is like horticulture or agriculture, but vinicultura, specific to vino, wine, that is. Does vino mean wine in Latin, Andy? Probably, hopefully. Yes, got it right. Vinicultural. So we've got a, a residential and a, a vinicultural uh, metaphor going on here. And Jesus says he's the true vine. Abide in me. Make your home in the vine. Abide in the vine. So I want to start with, with home and, and then we'll move to the vine. Um, where, where we live, where your home is, that will shape a lot of who you are and who you become. I was talking to a friend um, the other day and he was showing me that um, the way house prices and school zones sort of affect each other. And he's a, a teacher and he's a passionate um, sort of guy about trying to you know, raise the education standard in public schools. Um, legend. If he's listening, I'll tell him to listen now because he's getting a, a, a mention. But um, we're looking at the zones of the schools and, and all of that. And it was fascinating. People will spend thousands of dollars so they can get a property inside the zone of a school they want to go to or they want their kids to go to. Because what they're doing is they're, they're controlling the circumstances and the environment that their, their children will live in so that their kids will rub shoulders with certain people, so that they'll have a certain um, friendship group and environment, and that will shape who they become, right? You've met, I don't want to name suburbs, but you've met people from different areas, and people from West Footscray are, are different to people from Kew. People from Australia are different to people from Afghanistan. Where you live will affect who you become, and, and Jesus has advice on where you should live, and his advice is that you should live with him, make your home with him. Abide in me as I abide in you. There's this dual dwelling going on, you know, Jesus in you, you in him, and this could be confusing, but I don't think it is, because think about the word real estate. We use the word real estate to, to talk about where you live, the house you live in, but we also use the word real estate to talk about what's occupying our sort of head space, like our mental real estate or our, our heart space. Even that word space, your head space, is, is like a place that can be occupied, right? You can be preoccupied, you can be occupied by certain things and at the same time you can be occupying physical space. You know, some people occupy Wall Street, um, like that movement. Some people occupy Barclay Street. That's what we're doing now. Um, so, so you can have this dual, this mutual um, dwelling going on. Abide in Jesus as he abides in you. And so I just want to ask, like, where are you most at home? Where do you most feel at home? Is it at home? Is it with your friends? Is it on social media, or on the internet? Is it when you're by yourself? Is it when you're with your mum? I think that... that sentiment or statement is true, home is where the heart is. Because what it's saying is home is where you're most loved. Home is where you find love. It's where you stop running and you rest. You stop climbing and you're content. 
Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. He's saying, move in with me, make your home in me because of my love for you. Live where you're loved. Right? Simple. We want to live where we're loved. St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their home in you, Lord. And yet one of the stories that our culture tells us is that, that success is transcending home, is going beyond home, spreading your wings, flying, climbing, running. You know those songs? I made up a song because I couldn't think of which exact song I wanted to talk about. But there's songs that go like this. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, but now do you know where I am? London, Japan, Paris. Lausanne, Jillers. Couldn't sneak that bit, in, that bit in. But you've, you've heard the songs that go like that, right? Like Iggy Azalea, like she's from Murrumbimby in New South Wales, but because she's worldwide, now she's made it. And yet you hear the stories of these people after 10 years, or you watch the documentaries, and they, they spend, you know, they're living in hotels in a new city every night, and yet what they long for is home. Home is where you can stop running and you can rest. You don't have to transcend home to become someone. The world says that you are your own, that you're only responsible for yourself. But if you chase that narrative, you'll find out that you're alone. You'll feel alone. Jesus says you're not your own. You're not alone. Come home. Make your home in me. And so this language of abide, to abide in Jesus means to to make your home in him. The language of remain makes sense, right? You've got to stay at your home. Sometimes when we're in that um, glorious period called young adulthood, we don't spend much time at home. But across the board, the idea of home is that that's where you would spend a large amount of your time. You'd remain there. You'd spend the nights there. You'd spend weekends there. So to, to, to make home with Jesus means to remain with him, to stay with him, uh, to continue with him. To know his presence like it's your home. I always find it funny the difference between... um having a sleepover or sleeping at your own place. You wake up at a sleepover, you're so disoriented. You've got to turn on your phone torch just to see where your feet are. If you're at your home, though, you can like navigate that place like a boss with your eyes closed. You're like, just doors there, go around the corner, just watch out for the the bed corners because they hurt. But apart from that, you can navigate your home like a boss. That's what it means to make your home with Jesus, to be so at home with him that with your eyes closed, when you, as soon as you wake up, you know where you are, you know you're in him. That you'd wake up in the middle of the night and know Jesus' presence. Remain in my love, Jesus says. Remain in me. Make your residence his presence. Not like a rental, like this is like a long-term Residence. I think one of the reasons um, the, the new translation remain makes so much sense is because we live in such a transient culture. Like think of um, the Brexit 
vote that happened a few years ago, the, the two sort of sides were Brexit or remain. Stay, keep, just continue, remain in him. You know, in this transient culture, um, we're, we're always moving from place to place, from thing to thing. And I think this is where we have to recognise the limitations of um, the metaphor of, of the road or the journey as spiritual life, because it is. Like, we want to follow the way, the road of Jesus. And yet we also just want to stay with Jesus. These two things can both make sense at the same time, that we would follow the road, would follow the way of Jesus, and would also just stay with him. Like Q. Sam Smith, stay with me. Jesus is your forever home. You can stay there. You can abide there. I think the the Christian life for many people feels different. But maybe some of us feel like the Christian life is about finding the times when I feel good with God, where the the feeling is right. Some of us feel like the the Christian life is about getting to the place where I have a good um, God experience or, or I have good God thoughts. Or I, I realise something where I'm, I'm getting enlightened or I'm learning something new. Some of us feel like Christian, Christian life is a long slog to get where you want to be. That you're just like climbing the mountain, that, that your destiny is in the distance. Or maybe you feel like you're not enough. There was a, a survey that um, in America, as most Christian surveys have done, um, a survey that asked, if God is real, like you had to get past that question to then get asked the next question, of those who believe God's real, how do you think God feels with you? And the, the number one answer was disappointed. The majority of people said God would be disappointed with me. Maybe that's your experience of, of Christian life. But Jesus' invitation is not to to climb a mountain, is not to to move from experience to experience or enlightenment to enlightenment. It's not to to strive, it's not to to try and become enough. Jesus' invitation is to dwell, is just to be, like just to be on the couch with Jesus. Like go home tonight, be on the couch, and just be like, hi Jesus, thanks for living at my house. That's the invitation. Like I, for me, I need to hear this because I get so obsessed with what's next. What's the next step? I've got this like future-oriented personality, and I want to know what what the next step is, where, where God's, you know, what God's going to do. But I think the invitation of Jesus is just to abide, to dwell, just to hang. God spoke to me about this this week um, because I'm. I'm lightning with um, PayWave, right? I can time my tap perfectly. I'm just like, beep, off, you know? I use iPhone at the moment, but I want to move to Android just so I can get Mikey on Android. I'm seeing those billboards up. I'm like, that's cool, Mikey on Android. Just beep. We, we, we have this pay and, pay and run mentality, or PayWave, cardless cash mentality. And when Jess and I are together, usually I um, use my wallet, use my card. But this week, I didn't have my wallet on me, so Jess um, used her wallet. And when Jess does PayWave, it's like the slowest PayWave ever. I'm not embarrassing you too much, but it spoke to me. Like, God spoke to me through this. Like, Jess just holds her card down there. 
like waits for the receipt before she like sort of lifts the card. And like that is how God's inviting us to be with him. Like so much longer than we'd think. Like we don't, our hearts are not made for pay wave faith. God's not inviting us to just, you know, do my Bible reading, tick it off. Get a sense of his presence, tick it off. Come to church, move on. He's inviting us to live with him, to stay with him, to abide with him in the vine. So that's the abide part, to make your home with Jesus. But Jesus says that he is a vine here, he's the true vine. And so he invites us to abide in the vine. And so a vine is a part of a vineyard, right? A vine is this like tangly sort of plant. I don't know if you've seen one before. If, if this was a tree metaphor, you'd say, Jesus would say, I am the, the root system and you are the branches. Maybe that's easier for you. But a vine produces wine. Like just how Jesus turned water into wine, he, that he's bringing life to the full. A vine means you'll produce fruit. And Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and you're going to produce fruit. He says, my father, notice Jesus often doesn't say God in an impersonal way. He says, my father is the gardener. Some translations say he's the vine dresser. An old school one calls him the husband man. How cool is that, the husband man? Put that in your love poems if if you've got to write one anytime soon. Some people are like, yep, I was going to write one this week. So... Husband, man, put that in. Um, There's not too keen. The original language, though, has this beautiful play on words here where it says, he, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. The original language goes, says he cuts off and he cuts back. It just says cuts off, cuts back. The father, the vine dresser, the husband man cuts off and cuts back. He cuts off, he, he clears the chaff and then he cuts back because he prunes what's good so it grows back more. You know, good, good, good branches need pruning. I don't know if you've done much gardening, I haven't done much, but um, over the years I've dreamt and hoped and prayed that I would eventually one day grow a great beard. And I just can't grow a great beard yet. But what I've been told, and I'm noticing some improvement in the density of my facial hair, is that, maybe I should talk to Ben, he's got better density than me, Um, but the more you shave, the better regrowth you get. The more you prune, the more that grows back, right? The father prunes for the sake of, of our fruitfulness. He allows us to to suffer. We're often um, transformed through the pruning experiences. It says, um, you're clean because of the word. So his word cleans us, heals us. But then he allows us to be pruned over time, over the course of our our journey with Jesus. And I've been pruned in my life um, a bit. I I used to find identity in what girls thought of me. And I was saying to the under-21s last week, I was, um, I was in love with multiple girls in my young years and I was rejected 
by all of those girls in my young years. And I was rejected multiple times. And that pruned me. That pruned me because, because I learned that I had to find identity in someone who wouldn't reject me. In Jesus, right? I had to find my identity in someone who wouldn't reject me and that I was pruned through rejection. You know, I used to, I, I moved on in some ways and, and tried to get my identity in pleasing people. I found my identity in, in people liking me, in pleasing them. I was the last to leave every person's party, you know, because I'm, I'm their great mate. I'll never, you know, leave you. And I was leaving parties at like 3 a.m., saying yes to everyone, a bit, a bit of a yes man, but God pruned me. You know, and I felt like a loser. I started leaving parties at normal times and I felt like a loser. God taught me that I needed to sleep proper hours if I'm going to be an emotionally healthy human. He taught me that I'm going to need to learn to say no to some things if I'm going to be a mature man. He's still teaching me some of this stuff, wisdom, the gift of limits. But, but God's pruning is a gift even though it's painful. And praise God for that because it's so much better to be cut back than cut off. Jesus says, apart from me you can do nothing. You can't bear fruit unless you're connected to the vine. It makes vinicultural sense, right, that you can't bear fruit unless you're literally connected to the vine. But in life, we often think, I'll just do stuff, I'll just go for it, and hopefully God will have my back. But he says, you can do nothing apart from me. This obviously doesn't mean nothing at all. Like, There's a lot of people who don't follow Jesus and they do get things done. But Jesus must be talking about something more significant because he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's that, that Jesus is interested in the stuff that he calls fruit. And fruit only comes from living with him, from being connected to him. A vine literally can only bear fruit if it's connected. If it's nourished by the source, if it's planted in the soil. Jesus says, if you remain in him, you'll bear much fruit. Much fruit. He says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So what he's saying is, is be at home with him, be on the couch with him, But being on the couch with him doesn't mean nothing happens. Making home with him means you'll bear much fruit. This means go for it as well. This means have godly ambition. Abiding in Jesus doesn't mean we have no godly ambition. It means go for it. Do much for the kingdom. Just know that you bear much fruit, not from your own strength, but from being connected to him. And fruit, by the way, means all kinds of good works and God works. It's not just like the church stuff. It's all kinds of kingdom activity. Anything that is uh, in the way of Jesus is fruit. So love, justice, compassion, kindness, telling the truth, self-control, new creations, new designs, things being made well, students being taught well, people being served well. Fruit means patience, it means goodness, it means faithfulness, gentleness. And ultimately, it's it's love for one another. Jesus will say that, um, we'll look at that next week. And finally, in verse 11, Jesus says, it's for your joy. 
that this fruit bearing is not some sort of striving that will leave you burnt out. This is sometimes painful because there's pruning, but ultimately it's for your joy. Discipleship leads us to the cross, but at the cross we find resurrection life. Lose your life so that you might find it and that you might find true joy living with Jesus, bearing his fruit. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So bear fruit. And in our culture, why we need to hear this is because Jesus says you're a branch. He doesn't say you're a machine. And the narratives that, that we often get fed in this culture of, of capitalism is that you're a machine, that you're, you're, you're a series of inputs and outputs. You are what you produce. But Jesus says, bear fruit, but you're not what you produce. You're not someone who can just be turned off and on. You're not just a battery who needs to rest for the sake of recharging so you can go again. You're a human. You have a soul. Rest because it's a gift from God. You know, we say that word human nature because humans are natural. We're branches in a vine. We're trees planted by streams of water. And, and we will bear fruit for Jesus, but we'll bear fruit not as machines, but as, as branches at the mercy of the seasons at the mercy of the soil which is, is in God's hands. So you don't need to be a machine. You don't need to transcend your limits, go beyond your capacities. You don't need to just recharge and go again. You don't need to, need to make the most of the inputs to create a great output. You can simply abide in Jesus. Make your home in him and with good and godly ambition bear much fruit. Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. Finally, how we, how we remain, there's, there's many approaches to this, but, but some I think are just important for, for us in this moment. Meditation and contemplation um, are sometimes like dirty words in, in the Christian church. But when we're invited to behold God or behold the words of Him, in many ways that's just meditate on the words of Scripture or contemplate the cross or Jesus. Behold Him, sit with Him. I came up with a new word this week, meditation. It's just spending 10 minutes before I wake up in bed. Just I'm, I'm trying to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I'm not that far in, but got a bit of it down pat. And then I can just meditate on those words before I've even like touched anything. Meditation. I don't know if you want to try that one, but I like the word. Um, but, but honestly, meditating on Scripture, contemplating Jesus, is a fantastic way that you can just abide in the vine. Just be at home in Him. Sometimes praying before bed gets a bad rap that you fall asleep, but I reckon pray before you sleep and just fall asleep in Jesus' arms. That's epic because you're at home in Him. 
and maybe talk talk to him at at every meal or or whatever it is but but just you know what Paul says pray without ceasing maybe we can try and learn what that means I wonder this week if um if we get back to to reading the following week's um, teaching text and next week's teaching text is John 15 12 to 17 just six verses as a church, what if we read just those six verses this week, just sat on them and came together next week and considered John fifteen twelve to 17. And the other thing I think, just to, to think about abiding in the vine and not being a machine and all of that, is, is let's learn to slow down. Let's learn to rest. Sometimes I've, I've talked to a few of you about um, how we do a Sabbath that on a Saturday we just um, take a day not for work and we're, we're not great at it. I'm always trying to you know, pack our schedule with some sort of fun activity. But I'm just trying to say you know, no to the, the idea that we're machines and we've got to get stuff done or tick things off. And just rest. Do what gives you life. If you need to learn to just slow down, maybe that's just you know, work finishes at, at 9 o'clock or study stops at you know whatever time but you're not a machine god loves you you are so much more than what you produce you're loved by him and that's why he invites you to make your home in him let's pray jesus we just want to thank you for your love like sincerely thank you that you love us so much Thank you that you'll never reject us. And sometimes, like, sometimes I've felt, God, that the reason I want to be loved by other people or by girls or whoever it is is because, of course, you won't reject me, God. I want to be loved by something that could reject me and yet I prove my worth to them. And they choose me. And yet, God, I just know you're inviting me to just find myself at home in you again. And I know you're inviting us to do that, God. I just know you're inviting us to, to find ourselves at home in the one who will not reject us, who will love us no matter what. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your welcome to make home in you. And thank you that we can bear much fruit when we abide in, in the vine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.